Hello, true believers, and welcome to part three of our four-part roundtable discussion of Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's 2004 box office hit. Uh, your roundtable once again today is Stefan Claypool, that's me, Nick Bester, Derek Long, Daniel Watson-Jones, and Patrick Regan. And if you like what you hear, you like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anyone who you think might be interested. Thanks very much, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, things I want to get to. Oh, when uh, Doc Octopus goes King Kong uh, <laughs> and is, is taking... Uh, Aunt May. Uh, wait. Yeah, he's taking Aunt May up onto the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Aunt May... Uh, hits him with the cane. Yes. Mm-hmm. Umbrella. That was hilarious, and saves Peter. And then, but then there's that very odd se- scene of uh, when she's falling and he swings down and saves her. And then those two women appear, and there's that low shot looking up. Yeah, right that at their was so weird. Yeah, no, just take, just me just with you, take me with you. It's yeah. very strange. <laughs> and I would I would have expected that to be like two moderately famous female stars, you know. Just like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Lucy, uh, Lucy yeah. Lawless in the first film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it, I, I went back and looked at it again, and it's I didn't just recognize this completely women, gratuitous But it was hard to tell shot. because their breasts took yeah. up the majority of the shot. So I want to talk about this scene for reasons that are not the okay. boobs of X. I also have something um, I want to talk about here. We'll there, okay. Wait, what other reasons are there? I think Aunt, we all do. Aunt May promotes several stories mm-hmm. twice. She's a tough There is no way in hell she survives that fall. My, I mean... Aunt May's defining characteristic in the comics is that she is prone to heart attacks. She's a frail old lady. My, and she's got fragile I, bird bones. I, my whole problem with that particular scene and the scene proceeding at the bank is that Aunt, the, Aunt May's, you know, she's she's at her most human when she's trying, in the home. When trying the, to in scam the a bank scene. for a toaster? In that yeah. scene, she's like this she's like incredibly campy 60s Aunt May who's like clutching her pearls and going oh my Peter Ooh, how, what's going on? she's Irish also <laughs> I only have a few accents oh, no. Derek's become it's a happened. <laughs> for those of you playing at home Derek's uh, screen icon is New Zealand so and he seems to have stopped maybe he's uh, yes Lou Zealand is the Muppet who throws the fish. Everyone knows who Lou Zealand is. It had not even occurred to me that people might not know who Lou Zealand is. It had not even occurred to me that that was a possibility. God damn it, it's moved closer, you Fair son enough. of a bitch. Fair enough. I know you're in on that. Also, it looks like he doesn't have... <laughs> God, it looks like he doesn't have legs anymore. Anyway, I think Patrick was saying something. Uh, you know, he doesn't have legs. Puppets don't have legs! Kermit saying something. Hey, Patrick. Kermit has legs. Yes. Rolf has legs. Fozzie Bear has legs. Uh, so, so uh, Aunt May, I mean, it, again, I, I might as well get into this now, is that, she, yeah, she's, she's another sort of weird 60s throwback sometimes, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it isn't. Like, it's very similar to the whole way the plot of the movie is, and totally, it'll sometimes feel like it's a big, campy 60s movie. And then sometimes it'll feel like it's a very serious sort of... Like it's an episode of Dawson's Creek. Right, and and it's kind of... She, in that way, to me, she's very representative of the weird pinballing tone of this movie. 
because she goes from being a very serious sort of hurt woman who's experienced a lot of pain in her life and then she becomes a cartoon character version yes, of an like when when Joe, Joe McHale sees like a single dollar coin fall out of Doc Ock's bag and he goes to pick it up and she smacks his hand yeah yeah, I mean, the person who 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 pulled away from Peter upon learning that he may have had something to do with Ben's death is not the same person who would, like, smack Joel McHale's hand in the middle of a giant, violent bank robbery. I mean, the other problem know, that... It's, it's all about context. Like, I, I, I have totally different reactions to, uh, in, in different situations. Uh, she's a full-spectrum character in some regard. I, I would also say... Um, the other thing I found unbelievable about that scene was, you now, Patrick, your, your 1960s point holds true, because if this were truly a film set in the mid-2000s, Aunt, Aunt May would have had no trouble getting another mortgage <laughs> on the house with no assets and collateral. That's true. Right gotten so many fucking that toasters. That is true. Yeah. Uh, especially in 2004. Oh, my God. They would have, they yeah. would have given yeah. her extra toasters for that. Also, anyone who robbed a bank would not find sacks of gold Oh, you only mixed off with, like, two <laughs> bags of them. That can't, that's, like, a couple, like, I don't know. Tens of thousands of dollars, maybe. That's why he's such a great scientist. He could assemble all yeah. that stuff on the. Cheap. But again, I, that, that entire <laughs> sequence again goes back to the issue with the overwhelming coincidence of this movie. The entire fact that there's even this thing going on between Spider-Man and Doc Ock and this bank relies entirely on the fact that Aunt May and Peter decided to go to this bank. And completely apropos of nothing, this is also the bank that the arms decided to rob. <laughs> and yeah. then, again, even more apropos yeah. of nothing, Aunt May just happens to be the person that the arms decide to take hostage. I am not attributing anything to Doc Ock anymore. It's all those fucking arms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the last thing that I'll, I'll say about Aunt May, because we, you, we do have a bunch I, of I other things to cover still. After, after you, One more thought. Uh, Aunt May threw out Peter's fucking comic books. Yeah, that's that bullshit. That bothered yeah. me a lot. That is bullshit. That was. Oh, weird. I threw away those dreadful things. This isn't the '60s anymore. That back then, people didn't know that they were worth anything. You could throw out baseball cards and comic books, and it was a realistic story to tell to your grandchildren. My, gr- my but, grandmother. Uh, there's no excuse yeah, for that now. My grandmother, God, God rest her soul, uh, threw away my dad's comic books when he was like 18, 19, and that was like a point I can of imagine for a long time. Knowing oh, your dad, I imagine he had my a, uncle's yeah. baseball cards, and that was yeah, a point I, of knowing hundreds your dad, of I imagine dollars. He had a pretty yeah. impressive collection. He did. I mean, e- even moving aside the whole time issue of it, it's just weird because it's just kind of dickish. It's like, what, where are some of the stuff that I thought was there? Oh, oh I threw it away without asking away. you. That's Aunt May. To be fair, she does give them away. She doesn't throw That's them away. That's Aunt May's last scene in the film. <laughs> the last thing she does is throw away her or give away her beloved nephew's comic books. Without asking him. Yeah, without asking. Well... As she's moving out of the house that's been foreclosed on. She could I mean, give them to him. You would think that she yeah. would sell them. They're probably worth some money. You know. Uh, yeah. Going she back to the kid from across the street in comic books. Yeah. I did. Uh, anyway, I want, there's one thought. other thing about oh, on, uh, yeah. the bank the bank job. Uh, I think we alluded to this slightly. But, uh, so, King Kong's Aunt May, and they're up in a skyscraper, and Peter is fighting him. Uh, and he decides to do, like, a cannonball special at, uh, at Doc Ock, and Doc Ock's gonna stab him, and the only reason that he survives is that Aunt May sees this and says, I don't know if she actually says it, but it eventually goes, you brute, and hits him with 
You dreadful you man. Dreadful it's, man. It's, it's, How dare you? How dare and you? smacks him with the umbrella, which is, first of all, hilarious that that's yeah. the only reason that Spider-Man is not dead at that point. Well, his spider but sense But his spider sense doesn't him. help at all, because earlier in the movie, like, he's getting smacked with, uh, with backpacks and things. It doesn't seem to have any effect other than that one time he doesn't get hit by a car. Um... His spider sense is, and he's is, able to tell that that the the train is running out of track. I thought that was spider he's Presumably vision. using his spider sense or eyes. His spider sense <laughs> is seriously. Uh, anyway, but in but, but my then favorite part yeah. is so after he saves Aunt May and they're sort of descending down there, and then the booby extras are going to be all lust, lusty after him. Uh, he says something like, "We did a we, we make a good pair, or we did a good job." And she very rightly says, "We." Because she understands that she is the only reason that this day is saved. She is taking <laughs> all of the credit, rightfully yeah. so, Spider-Man, you incompetent yeah. fool. Yeah, Aunt May. There we go. Um, um, yeah, so a, a, a couple other things. I think that there are there are a few things we, we still need to cover. Uh, and I'll just I'll lay out the outline for them briefly. Um, we should talk about uh-huh. uh, the train scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, we should talk about the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we should probably talk about uh, about a couple of fun cameos as yes. well. Um, so let's, uh, let's... before uh, Go ahead. Uh, just very quickly, I want to talk about that jump zoom onto the penthouse that Harry is in, <laughs> where there's those like three quick cuts at at uh, like Dutch angles. Uh, to, to the, this kind of like gothic top of a building, and then the very weird butler who has like two lines. Yeah. And, what's it, well, oh uh, god, what's says, his name? I wrote it down. Your father only obsessed over his work. His well, I remember because that, that was... scene, Harry's Harry's being very. He's got like all these like articles in front of him, and yeah, he just hit the Spider-Man. desk because he's angry. I'm like, can't you just hire private investigators? <laughs> I can do this Spider-Man myself. Touched him. You I'm the head of a research. Him. He clearly has weird issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, you see, the jump cuts make more sense when you realize that that building was designed by, uh, by Ivo Shandor, <laughs> who, uh, who did a lot what? of unnecessary surgeries. Go- Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It goes there. <laughs> goes, uh, goes yeah. It is it possible that Aunt May is actually in that scene saying that Spider-Man did do all of the work? That she's questioning why she should be even. I'm the, really not no. sure why real she hero. says what she's saying. I, it's a very the, the, uh, yeah. the it sounds she, she's taking I, I heard it as indignation. The way that she said "we." It's possible. Yeah. It's possible that, is, that the that intent is, is like. that she's but, trying to give him all the credit. Certainly, as you have that very obvious speech that she yeah. gives later about how great Spider-Man is, that mm, might make more yeah. sense. But the way that uh, that the actress whose name I've forgotten at this point, Rosemary Harris, thank you, Rosemary uh, delivers Harris. it, definitely yeah. sounds like indignation that Spider-Man is including himself in Who Saved the Day. Yeah. Shall the, we talk about the train? No, right. One second. The courtly yes. southern butler's name is Bernard. 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 That was my great-grandfather's name. Go home, Bernard! I'm going to drink scotch. I'm going to drink Maker's Mark. He loves it. <laughs> He loves that scotch and he loves his hair. Yes. Beautiful hair. The the train. 
Okay. Yeah. So there, there are several train? problems. And why does train? it end there? Okay. Well, I don't understand. Well, let, let's let's back up for a second. And just talk about trains in New York in general. I don't know. New okay, York is. Give us a lesson. Okay. So so we're in Manhattan. Um, Manhattan is famous for its public transit train system. Specifically, it is famous for its subway. It yes. does not, however, have an elevated train. It used to. That okay, yeah, but this is two thousand four. No, no, like in like the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, oh, okay. the when elevated. I, say it used to, I yeah. mean, it really used to. The elevated okay. train is a Chicago trope, not a yeah. not a New York trope. That being said, we'll, we'll say okay, movie. We'll, I mean, we'll get we'll give well, you this. There one. are like there are elevated. That are elevated. Uh, yeah. When you get out to I mean, Queens, uh, but they're very subways. clearly not in Queens. Yeah. But we'll give it yeah. to them just in the same way we give fake architecture and other Toronto cities. looks like New York City. Everyone knows we'll give... that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, okay, so the train sequence, uh, the obligatory third act <laughs> action sequence. Thoughts? I just like that Phil Lamar is at the front of the train. <laughs> and he doesn't get a fucking credit. Oh, really? He doesn't have that. any lines. He doesn't yeah. have any lines. But yeah, he's he's one of the passengers at the front. Is of the he? Train. I yeah. missed him entirely. He's on his way to an audition. Joey Diaz is not half as famous as Phil Lamar, and he gets a line. I but fe- to be fair, Joey Diaz looks exactly like the stereotypical <laughs> New York dude. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like my feeling on the train scene is that it's something that you have happen a lot in action movies and superhero movies can be very prone to them in particular. It's very daring do action for the sake of forcing in that daring do action. It doesn't really mm-hmm. add anything new. Like, does, we don't learn anything new about Peter. We don't really learn anything new about Doc Ock. Um, yes. You know, we, we learned that Peter will sacrifice himself. Was great I mean, okay, we already knew yeah. that. Uh, we learned that New York yeah, loves Spider-Man. To continue later, his first point. Point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, there, I there is like a sense it, that... It, why did we bother? It is just this set piece that's kind of inserted nilly-willy into the third yeah. act. But, like, we might want to put it Crap. in context <laughs> to a certain I'll be right extent. back on in a second. Did you just say nilly-willy? He did. Let's, I, let's, let's move on. Okay, <laughs> sorry, go on, go on. It's my favorite phrase. Oh, yeah, I've only heard willy nilly. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Derek nilly willy. No, I've lost my thought. No, uh, put it, putting it in in context. I mean, I remember, context. and maybe this is just eighteen year old me, uh, but I remember being extremely impressed by this sequence. Like, I, I'm I'm not oh, yeah. sure if. Um, it just in terms of like comparable like big action set pieces in comic book films, if there had been one that was quite this, I think technically advanced yet. Um, I mean, advanced in not only in a technological sense, but you know, in in terms of its just its construction. I think as a whole, it's it's pretty well put together. I mean, in terms of we we get a clear sense of where the characters are for one. Um, and there's a there's mm-hmm. a kind of mm-hmm. actual sort of deadline, if you will, like the the train can't reach the end of the tracks. Um, mm-hmm. So as its own like mini narrative, I feel like it it works really well. But yeah, I absolutely agree with Patrick's point mm-hmm. um, that he was making before we lost him. We may be about we may be about to get him back. Yeah, now, in time. now he's he's coming uh, back. Yeah, I th- I think that the the thing that. Patrick, you, 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 you talk you about the idea of we hadn't seen the 
that level of technical sophistication, and it's true, we hadn't. I think it's a really interesting comparison that one year later, Batman Begins came out. And that film also climaxes with a runaway train. See yeah. Um, the, the difference... Quick show note. That yeah. uh, I actually rambled on for about a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I got the time. I got the time. Yeah, so you're going to make sure you cut that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, Batman Begins has this runaway train sequence. In Batman Begins, you know, it's, it's clearly a, a final act action set piece but there is also you know a very clear plot reason Mm -hmm. why it's happening so the the events that happen on the train are absolutely crucial to both the film's plot and to the character's thematic journey and i would say the spider-man 2 train set piece is more impressive as a piece of Mm -hmm. you know action filmmaking but it's less impressive as a piece of storytelling well, I I will say Lillian and I have written some uh, superhero spec stuff. Some train and, sequences? Uh, <laughs> no, despite all my protestations. Um, and one thing we actually did run into trouble was we wrote a scene that was basically this. It, it wasn't with a train, but it was the same sort of thing where we, we put it there because we felt structurally it had to be there. And it looked cool and it was action-y. And eventually we cut it out because we realized it was a completely pointless scene. Yeah. It was just there to. Yeah. Look I think cool. I think that's a major problem there, and I mean, even the even sort of the plot justification for why Doc Ock is after Spider Man at that point is pretty weak. He essentially goes to Harry and demands his precious tritium, his MacGuffin, <laughs> his MacGuffin medal, uh, and Harry's like, "Get yeah. me Spider Man, and I will, and uh, I'll, I'll give it to you." So, he doesn't really fucking give a shit about Spider-Man. Spider-Man's just some guy. He doesn't really have any particular interest in Spider-Man. It's just entirely hairy there. Completely incidental, yeah. yeah. Not even clear if he's mm-hmm. even aware of Spider-Man up until that point. Oh, well, they had... I well, guess, they, they had but their bank even... scene, which was... Um, which was yeah, which was a minor nuisance and did not interfere he with... He got away with his money. He what he wanted some, to accomplish. Some guy... Yeah. Tritium is a real thing. Is it precious? And it's precious. Yes. Precious tritium. It's hydrogen. a radioactive isotope of hydrogen. Hydrogen. Um, the train scene does give us Spider Jesus. Get spider Jesus. <laughs> I love his Spider Jesus that. face, which is uh, him essentially trying to pass the biggest bowel movement of his life. That is that is the that is the expression <laughs> that Tobey Maguire chooses for this. It's, it's very strange, like. But it also comes into the problem that I feel like a lot of superhero yeah. sort of things do, where, like, I'm not strong enough to stop this train or pick up this continent or whatever. Yeah. And the solution is, well, try harder. So it doesn't work the first time, so yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. just do it again, and this time it works. This time I'll stop this train. This well, time he, I'll he pick did, up it, this continent. God, it just... It, it, he did... Everything about the way that he... Sorry, go on. Say, he did adjust his... his Tactics, though, because first he tried to to just jut his yes. feet into yeah. the track, resulting in falling yeah. track and presumably yes. several <laughs> dead pedestrians. Second, he fired two webs into yeah. brick buildings, which tore Again. and sent brick tumbling to the streets, presumably mm-hmm. killing several pedestrians. But the third time, he's shooting several webs and getting like yeah. multiple points. And then just of holding on to them. He's not even wrapping them yeah. around his hands. And you can just sort of see, sort of they're like made out of like texture 
and his hands are sort of dangling there yeah. while he's uh-huh. doing his Jesus pose. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he can stick to anything. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need it, to wrap anything around is, anything. Isn't the, the solution to this very obvious, though, that you fire the webs onto the track and into the wheels of the train... And shouldn't he be doing it from the back of the train? Because if you're on a motorcycle and you step on the, and you use the brake on the front wheel before you use the brake on the back wheel, <laughs> you're going happen. to flip and kill Wouldn't yourself. Wouldn't that derail the train, though? Does that stop it? <laughs> yeah. No, if he does it from the back, doing it from the front would derail the train because you're stopping the front, but Although, not the back. Yeah, the phys- so it's, the back it's is the, still going to try It's the reason the Joker's Mack truck flips in the Dark Knight. Yeah. I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take your word on it. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a bad yeah. plan. That's I'm, not I'm how it's not how physics the work. Back of the train to you, know, the you guys know what? Then that would has, be an appropriate assi- assignment for Dr. Connors to assign Peter in a sophomore level <laughs> physics <laughs> class. <laughs> if there is a runaway train, <laughs> if there is a world, world with, and here's the good transition, suns in the fall. A of perpetual sun. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it. Perpetual impervious sun. to heat and magnetism. God, oh, perpetual sun. I, I'm just, still just so we're... by the sun. Okay, I, so here's uh, here's a, a thing about the sun. I'll, I'll say this, then, dude, you 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 can roll with this. The sun is, I believe, the first instance that we will see of this theme that recurs through, and has continued to recur through many films over the last decade. The idea of some scientific breakthrough being the key to renewable, sustainable energy. The mm-hmm. first action film of which uh, to feature this theme, I believe, was The Saint. Um, oh. With, co- with its was cold fusion. Was that before fusion. Chain Reaction? I, ah, good, good one. Maybe? I think Chain Reaction was a couple years earlier. Mm-hmm. Close. It was close. But um, th- this is a theme that, you know, you, you see it again in yeah. Dark Knight Rises. You see it in The Avengers. You see it in Iron Man. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this, this keeps coming up. Um, which I think is sort of an, an interesting reflection of the times in which the films were made. Yeah. Now, yeah. later films intelligently figure out a way to do this with a nuclear reactor or something that doesn't pretend to be science, <laughs> as opposed to a sun in the palm of my hand. Go ahead, douche. Um... Uh, I don't remember what I was... Oh, I was going to ask. Do, when when Mary Jane wants to kiss Peter in the coffee shop after she has kissed the astronaut and determined that it is not as exciting as when she kissed Spider-Man, do you think that she is trying to determine whether kissing Peter would be as exciting as kissing Spider-Man or trying to determine whether he is Spider-Man because kissing him would be the same? If she were trying to determine that, she would have I... bent over backwards on the table. <laughs> Also, she would have had to have been attacked by some dudes in an alley yes. and almost raped. I, it. I um, remember when I watched this last but, time, uh, I read it as the latter of those two options. That she, at that point, had some suspicions yeah. and thought that maybe he was Spider-Man. I don't know. I can't remember why I would have thought that she and, would have thought that. But also, I don't really care about anything that's happening with Mary Jane at any point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I thought that she was just trying to... Uh, to see if it would excite her the same way that the Spider-Man kiss would. And it wasn't until just now that it occurred to me that she may have had some inkling that uh, he was Spider-Man. Um, another thing I want to mention is wh- there was there was a, mo- a film that we've already done that I 
said seem to have a lot of references to the Matrix, and there are certainly seem to be several in here. Probably Blade. Yeah, I mean, or Blade. We certainly talked about, certainly like talked about Blade in terms it has of having that yeah, similar kind of aesthetic of, like, you know, the dark underworld of leather people. It would have people. been Blade 2, because I wasn't on the Blade one. Leather um, people. <laughs> but, uh, I, I felt like the arms were very distinctly the the same kind of yeah. robots as that you would see in the Matrix. Yeah. And his jump from the building uh, oh, yeah. uh, when he says, I'm back, was a oh, very yeah. distinctly Neo kind of yeah. jump. Yeah. Whereas, like, a more Trinity from Which the beginning of the Matrix jump with her sort of leg up that, that seems more of a <coughs> Spider-Man-y kind of a pose. Well, the, mm-hmm. But we saw that Spider-Man-y kind of a pose in the first Spider-Man movie. I mean, there, there, are, there are so many moments in this film that are callbacks. It's almost as though the they were made film. by the same people. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's almost like well, that. I mean, the, the, the villain is basically the villain from the first movie. I mean, this is the thing that we were talking about earlier. They're... Yeah. Emotionally, they are surrogate father figures who are good men who have bad things inside of them but don't want to be evil. I mean, they're the same, they just have yeah, different right. weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm actually certain, I think it was the first Spider-Man movie that I had compared to The Matrix, because the shot that I, I distinctly remember was that Trinity shot in the opening of The Matrix, where she goes through the window, spins in midair, tumbles down the, the steps, and then sits with the guns pointed at the, uh, the window that she's just jumped through, yeah. and I think there's that same spot in the first, spi- in that same shot in the first Spider-Man film, isn't there? Where he jumps through a window and then he's expecting Green Goblin yeah. to come after him. Don't remember. Or am I thinking of a completely uh, different film? There, there is something similar in the climactic fight with the Goblin where he gets knocked through, like, a... I don't even know what the hell that building was. <laughs> Some old, decrepit okay. building. Okay. And is laying I was on the thinking that it was the... the webs. I, w- I don't remember. The first Spider-Man film, but I'd have to go back and well, listen to the first podcast. I was thinking anyway. very specifically sort of that first bullet time shot where she jumps up in the air in that crouch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man yeah. the comics has always had a lot of fun contorting Peter into very interesting mm-hmm. poses as he Particularly swings. when Todd oh, yeah. McFarlane was drawing. <laughs> yeah. Just... Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we, we have the MacGuffin's son, mm. which makes no sense physically. Um, and also does not reinforce anything thematic about any of the characters. No. That's its real problem. Yeah, is that it's not just, really... It doesn't well, matter. it's... Yeah, uh, maybe... like... Auto, but not really even there. Yeah, and then and then he drowns the sun. Yeah. Look, we can, so we can all talk about drowning the sun and why it's an insane thing. Does anyone have any specific nitpicks with this besides the general idea that it's a sun being drowned? Not really. Um, it's a very comic yeah. booky explanation it's, of things. It's not that's, so that's much. The drowning the sun, it's the lack of steam that has always bugged, bugged me. For the last decade, it has always been the lack yeah. of steam. I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like yeah. if he had thrown mm-hmm. that sun into the Hudson River and there had been steam, I don't think I would object to it. It's the well, fact it's, it's that like he throws the sun in and there's seemingly no reaction whatsoever. Actually, you know what? I take it back. I do have one specific thought about the sun, and it just occurred to me, is that the sun feels like it's only there to add a certain degree of stakes that would otherwise be completely missing. Because it's true. Otto's, Otto's deal really is, 
I want to rebuild my thing. But the thing is, unless that thing is going to explode, yeah. so what? Yeah, if that thing was a better no. blender, no one would care. Right, and it, it's only there because we need to be afraid of Otto and what Otto's going to do for some reason. Otherwise, the movie really just is really is just Peter kind of moping around See, for but a that, while. See, but that's the thing, though. You you rob Otto of agency. You make him like the the pawn of his arms. His arms have opinions. Yeah. If if he himself, I mean, and it's a very easy story to tell. Okay, so what happens? Uh, his experiment goes wrong. His wife is killed because of his own uh, hubris, mm-hmm. his, his own excessive ambition, and he ends up in a horrible accident that could very easily leave him, if not brain damaged, then horribly traumatized. Like. You make this guy a dangerous person, and then you don't really need the MacGuffin son. Yeah. But c- because you're, the film is so insistent on saying, no, no, he's not a bad guy. He's just controlled by these evil arms that he built for some reason. Why do – just to kind of unpack this a little bit, what do you think is this impulse of trying to redeem all these spider villains – because, like I said, in the comics, there's literally only one person who has this thing. Uh, and in the movies, liter- I- including up until the Amazing Spider-Man movies, they seem to be wanting to make us feel sorry for all of them in a way that I can't really square with any other Marvel movie. It feels like that... Like, even Loki it, does not... Uh, even I, I don't feel this... They don't feel like even Loki is trying to make me feel that bad for him. And he's Loki. I've got an idea, but I want to hear I mean, what other I think part of it is, is tone... There's a certain there's a certain lightness to the Spider-Man films that you don't necessarily get in some of the other Marvel films. It's it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, it's not it's not like musical light, but there there is there is like like you were saying, Patrick. Until the that, third movie. like ah well, there you go. There's well, a dance sequence. I forgot about that. Yeah. What you say? Um, yeah. Um. But, I, I do feel like the audience is supposed to be having fun in these films, whereas in, like, the X-Men films, you know, the audience isn't mm-hmm. having fun. They're concerned about the characters. Like, in this, you're supposed to be concerned about the characters, mm-hmm. but then, hey, look at and all I these feel like that's, falling. Yeah. That's a tone that is, is like, attached to Spider-Man in some way. It isn't just, like, Raimi's mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. He doesn't play well as like a grim and gritty character. He he doesn't, but in the yeah. comics he's never they they don't do it in the comics. Although that just might be a comic book thing in general. I think okay. yeah. hmm. my my suspicion is that it's someone involved in the production. I'm not necessarily going to lay this up the screenwriter or Raimi or who uh, trying too hard to uh, sort of highlight the with great power comes great responsibility theme that's sort of so central to Spider-Man. Uh, and that these are other these are other people that have had great power thrust upon them and they did it the wrong way. But I feel like there's an there's another way to do that theme without constantly going back to the same uh well, we're kind of crazy and we have split personalities, and but we're good people fundamentally. Yeah. Thing that they do repeatedly throughout I, all of these movies so fucking much. I think all of that is true. I think that the the other aspect of it is, you know, these 
the thing that I thought repeatedly while I was watching this was this is a movie that was built from the ground up, built by brick, or brick by brick, to appeal to the widest possible audience that it could get and to not challenge that audience at all. Like, the, the message of the film is like, hey, sit back and have fun. This is a fun film. And, like, the, there's no pushing. There's no trying to make the audience, you know, think beyond the the immediate rush of, oh, my God, we're on a runaway train. Um, and because we, we've, you know, one of the things that Peter deals with through these films is the loss of his uncle, which is, for all intents and purposes, the loss of his father. And he repeatedly, in, fi- in these films, gravitates toward father figures, first in Norman in the first one, and with Otto in the second one. If Otto is anything less than a good man corrupted by bad science, if he is, in fact, a deeply morally flawed film uh, character, then Peter himself is faced with the dilemma of identifying as a father figure a deeply morally flawed man, which forces the audience to reconcile in its collective mind the idea that a good person could be attracted to kind of a bad person for fundamentally good and understandable reasons. That's a moral gray zone that is outside of the scope of the film that they're trying to make. Particularly in 2004. Yes. Which kind of may get back to the question we were wrestling with at the beginning of the podcast of a lot of us feel like we liked this initially, but going back on it, our expectations have lowered. I mean, not all of us. I know that Nick has disliked this film. I did. Said, <laughs> and has made his point that he feels this way quite loudly. We've all caught up to it. For those of yes. you at home, but I don't like this I, I think that But we're going to have fun when we talk about Spider-Man 3. Right, and I think that's actually someone kind of talked about it earlier, and it's kind of the point is that what did we have to compare it with? We had Daredevil and the Punisher to compare it with. We had the theatrical kind of Daredevil. Right. Uh, it's, for the record, I want to point out I was incredibly right, and you all doubted me. 